0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host,
1: Adam Taylor.
2: What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. As promised via article form and on Monday's podcast, I've recorded a live mailbag on the Locker Room app. I'm enjoying doing these. I'm probably going to be doing them... Again, uh, every Monday for the foreseeable future and then releasing them as a podcast, it's a great way to interact with everybody and it also means that I get to know a bit more about the audience and the content they're looking for. Anyways, without going into that too much, here's this week's recording. Um, There's going to be, I think there's about an hour or just show of an hour worth of discussion. We go through a bunch of different topics, trades, players, whether or not the Celtics are contenders. Hopefully you enjoy it, and if you do, hopefully I'll see you in locker room next Monday when the next mailbag takes place.
3: I want to talk about what's it going to take for Rob Williams to get some starter minutes, because I think he's totally earned them. And I could be in the minority, I know, but I just love what I'm seeing from this young kid.
2: So my biggest um, takeaway from this and from, like, I was working on a, I'm working on a Rob Williams piece at the moment. So I've been watching a lot of the, um, the Brad Stevens interviews through the season, like after Rob's good games, after Rob's less so good games where he was missing. And one of the key narratives that Brad kind of breaks down is that he really doesn't see the appeal with who starts and who finishes a game. It's, you can come off the bench and play more minutes than a guy that starts. Okay. Um, so I like that. And then obviously for me, it's like, If you bring Rob Williams into the starting liner, you're removing a bunch of energy that you inject into that second unit when you bring him on off the bench. So you're going to start with a bit more energy, but then once he goes to the bench and you're bringing on a Christian Thompson or a Daniel Toys, if you're chasing a game, where's that energy going to come from? That's uh, my biggest concern. So I think that at the moment, his skill set's definitely a level to be starting games, whether or not he'd be as viable of an outlet against starting level bigs is a question that needs answering, in my opinion. But yeah,
3: that's a
4: good
2: definitely There's definitely um, a restriction there in the amount of energy that the, you're then bringing off the bench. And I know that at the moment there's a good um, relationship being built between Peyton Pritchard and Robert Williams, them two yep. forming into a, a slight bench duo. So I'm not sure if his value, even though he's good enough to play as a starting big, I'm not sure if his value is actually better served off the bench for this year.
3: You know, that's a good thought. I never thought of it that way because I kind of feel that way about Marcus. I always love seeing him in the starting lineup, but at the same rate, I like seeing him coming off the bench, though, so, to provide that energy and toughness and and all that. So that's kind of a good thought. It gives me something to chew on.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad, that you, uh, I'm glad that you're happy with the response. <laughs>
4: Saves me getting
2: chewed out so that's always good (laughs) all right all right well thanks for jumping up angie and feel free to stay in the comments and stay in the uh in the crowd area
4: absolutely will do thank you
2: what's up marcus yeah how you doing i'm doing well man i'm living i'm living how about yourself i'm
5: doing good man thanks um uh just to touch on robert williams real quick in addition to something else but i think something uh, that's also holding him back is he kind of seems like he has like a pseudo minutes restriction with his lingering hip in- injury. So that could also be a factor why he's not getting the same amount as maybe like a Tice or Thompson. Um, so we'll see how that goes as the season moves along. But I agree. I think he provides really good energy off the bench. and you shouldn't really mess with that right now. So. Um, and then additionally, um, I wanted to, I know a lot of these Celtics conversations really revolve around, um, who are we going to trade for? Who are we going to add? Um, I think Nikola Lucevic is probably unlikely because of the amount of assets or lack there of assets that we even have to trade for him. Um, but Aaron Gordon, um. I don't see how it would take that much to get him. Um, He's having one of the worst seasons of his career. Um, If you look statistically, um, his shooting percentage is down. um, His points per game is down. um, And he's on the last year of his contract. um, And there doesn't really seem, from the reports that I've seen, there doesn't really seem to be. Um, momentum or interest in really bringing him back to Orlando. Um, so I, I, I just I think he he has a lot of untapped potential. I think he's a lot better than what he's shown over the last couple of years. Um, what What are your thoughts on what it would take to bring Aaron Gordon in terms of um, who who the Celtics could trade and what 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 it would make.
2: What would it work? I mean, first of all, I agree. I think um, Aaron Gordon's been miscast in his um, role for the last few years. I definitely don't see him as a first or second option on offense. And I think he could thrive as like a fourth option on offense where there's not as much onus on him creating his own shot. There's not as much op- um, onus on him being a focal point and being asked to be a high-level play finisher. I think if he was asked to play within the flow of the offense more, take his opportunities when they come to him, but no need to force them and no need to try and carve out his own offense and looks, then I think he could thrive. I think he'd inject a bunch more athleticism, which would allow the Celtics to up their pace a little bit. Especially with him at the four, you kind of get to move away from that too big lineup. So you get to really start injecting fast break opportunities. There's going to be more backdoor cuts, more lob threats available. So I think he's actually a really good option with the TPE. In terms of trades, I'm not too sure. I think that if Orlando decide to, um, pull the trigger on this one, they're going to want some young pieces, right? So Langford or Neesmith are going to have to be part of the deal. They're not going to be interested in Christian Thompson. I don't think because they've already got like Jonathan Isaac when he's back from injury. They've got, um, I think Mobamba's still on the books. Vucevic is on the books. So that takes that contract away. I doubt that. The Celtics will be willing to leave move on from Marcus Smart for a guy like Aaron Gordon, just because although recasting him in a role that suits him better is pretty much a surefire way to get better production. It's just not good. He's just not the level of player that I think warrants moving on from Marcus Smart. So I think it would be a package based around one or two young guys with high upside and then filler salaries. So whether that be, um, You know, I think that you'd try and move Carson Edwards in any deal as part of a filler salary. Uh, Good thing is with the TPE, you don't need to match salary to bring a guy in, but obviously you need to put a package together. So I'm assuming it would be a couple of picks, some high upside young guys, and then one or two guys that they'd like to take a flyer run that they think they could get some form of production out of.
5: Right, yeah. I guess that also begs the question is, is he really worth using the TPE on? Um, if he's a, a caliber of a player that you, you really aim to to get back, and I think just based on the flashes you've seen from him in his first couple years, um, I think he could really be a better player than what he is, what he's been, especially this year, and not being. The focal, the focal point, like he is really in Orlando or one of the focal points, I think that could also free him up some more. Um, and um, in, even last year, um, all this talk about trading for Clint Capella, Gordon is a different kind of player, obviously, but he brings that rim running um, presence like Capella does um, in terms of his athleticism and, um, so, if if they could swing that somehow, I think that would. If they, my first preference is Harrison Barnes, but um, the price might be too steep for him as well. So um, I, I think Aaron Gordon could be a, a good value um, trade, um, but I guess we'll we'll see how that goes.
2: Yeah, I mean his age fits the timeline a bit better. Um... I do think that if you put him in a position where he's just more of a use, shoot, and attack within the flow of the offense, I think you're going to see a much better version of him than compared to what you're seeing right now. And I also think the Celtics just need more athleticism. They've got a couple of guys that are like crazy athletic, but across the board, I do feel like that's an aspect of the team um, construction that's quite poor. There's, There's not enough guys that can play above the rim. There's not enough guys that can offer you vertical spacing, And then, as you say, you've got Gordon can rim run because of that athleticism, but he could also start to really work on honing his three-point shooting because he's not going to be tasked with scoring 20 to 30 a night. It will be more play a complementary role behind JT and JB, um, help stretch the floor out so Kemba doesn't have to struggle as much to break down defenses when driving the lane, and then just be ready to hit your knockdown shots when the ball finds its way to you. I think he could be a really good option and he's one of the more realistic options in my opinion too
5: Yeah, I would agree um, I think that the cutting back on some of his shot attempts would give him an opportunity to be more efficient and in, 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 in with the Celtics obviously he would, he would be taking less shots um, but uh, that's all I got appreciate you uh, bringing me up
2: Of course man, thank you for jumping up I hope you're all good yeah, you too. Hey Pat, how's it going?
5: Adam, what's up dude, how you doing? I'm
2: doing well, man. I'm doing well yourself.
0: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm nervous here. I'm nervous that we're going to get a typical Celtics trade deadline, which is that they're going to be in on everything, supposedly, and they're going to make no moves. And, you know, uh, we're getting to the point, I think at least, we're getting to the point now with the Jays where, you know, you have these two guys and obviously great players, We know, like, we know they're great players, but at a certain point, you have to try to build around these guys to keep them here, to to tell them that, you know, we're going to realistically try to compete for a championship with you here, and they haven't, in my opinion, they haven't done enough to do that, you know, where you look at it and just say, like, yeah, like, we we can compete because right now this team cannot compete with the with the top teams. They just can't. They can't do it. And they have Brown and they have Tatum. And and when Kemba's playing good, he's he's been very good, but he's up and down and he's little. So, like, you know, it's going to be hard for him to realistically compete against a team like Brooklyn. I just don't know how they can do that. And so, you know, I don't know what that means. I don't know if he, and Aaron Gordon might be the solution to that, maybe. But like I'm thinking. Big, I, I know Vucevic is like, is crazy to even think that something like that could happen. But I just feel like Danny, you know, talks about it every year. we in on everything. And he is. I believe that he is on everything. But I also know that he is looking for, you know, for great value and doesn't want to give something up. So, yes, I don't want to give up Marcus Smart. But if that, if that puts us over the top and really makes us a, a, a team that can compete for a championship, because Marcus Smart's a great player and I love Marcus Smart on this team, but if we can get a guy, another guy that can put us over the top, Marcus Smart is a piece that I'm willing to part with because that he's not a guy that's going to bring you to a championship. He's a guy that's going to make your team better, but he's not going to be an X factor in like in a seven game series against the, against a team like brooklyn or against a team like la he's just not you know and and although we can provide defensive flexibility and everything and and cover you know three at least three if not four different spots on the on the floor he just doesn't bring enough offensively i don't think to really compete against a team like that so i'm curious to see if you know if you think that they could make a deal like that this year or or if danny would even be interested in making a deal like that this year
2: so i think if they're going to move marcus smart they're going to feel like it's a home run deal like, they're not going to move in for just anybody, especially somebody that's going to come in as a definitive fourth option. But if they get a guy that they feel like, perhaps this is a steal, or this is a home run, like, um, from, in my opinion like, the best name to kind of be willing to move on from Marcus Smart would be John Collins, right? If you knew that John, you, the front office were going to be willing to pay John Collins what he wants, and Atlanta turned around and said, hey, we want Marcus Smart, and in return um, I know that keith smith put this out recently i think it was keith somebody put it out there um you know it'll be marcus smart and jeff Teague for john collins and rajan ronda so if that was the deal then and you know that you're re-signing collins because he will be a restricted free agency so you can match whatever he gets offered in free agency you just need to know that your front office are going to go deep into their pockets to do so um the ownership team sorry not the front office um then you do it right. I mean, at the end of the day, you gave Marcus Smart a very tradable salary because you knew that somewhere down the line, you might need him for salary matching purposes or you might need him to be an enticing piece that you can dangle during trade discussions. And the fact that he's continued to develop that three-point shot has made him nothing more than incredibly valuable now. Teams are going to be really interested in what he brings. And I completely agree. I feel like at this point now, if you need to swing for defenses, unfortunately, and I think people are going to have to kind of get used to this idea as much as they're going to dislike it, there's a big chance that Marcus Smart will be one of the centerpieces of any trade to bring in a fourth or third star, depending on where you want to put them. So you could bring a guy in and move Kemba down to your fourth option. Kemba doesn't have to be the third guy. He can always play down at four. Um, you, you're going to be able to stagger guys again, so you'll have two out, two on the bench, two out, two on the bench, the way they did when Hayward was healthy too. And that seems to be the way the Celtics have wanted to be constructed. So there's consistently two high-level scorers on the floor at all times. Um, To me, John Collins is that guy. But I do genuinely believe it would take um, a few different things like Marcus Smart, like the ownership team agreeing to go into the tax to keep him. And then you'd need to make sure that John Collins is going to be happy in the situation that he's coming into as well.
0: Right. No, it's a great point. And that's, I mean, everyone's talking about like, you know, Smart is valuable which he is I think that I think that Marcus Smart you can't you, you can't overstate how important Smart is to the team but again like I said it's just it comes down to in a playoff series you need to have an in step in and school you know at a at a consistently high level and they just don't have that right now and I know Kemba is that guy but like I just don't know if Kemba can do it consistently in a 7 game series you a team like Brooklyn he's just not He's not big enough. He's just too small, you know, and so it's like, yeah, okay, Kyrie's covering him. If Kyrie really plays lockdown defense, like, which, I mean, Kyrie's not a great defender, but, like, if he really plays defense against Kemba, like, he's got, what, like, five, six inches on him? Like, it's difficult for Kemba to do anything, you know what I mean? So that's, that's that's for me, that's one of those things where it's like, you have to get another guy that can be another option, and as, as painful as it would be to move on from Smart, because everyone loves him and rightfully so. Um I think that, you know, you kind of have to do it if, if that's what it's going to take, but anyways, man, thanks Adam for for chatting and answering my question. I appreciate it, man.
2: Of course, man. And anybody listening to this on the podcast later in the week or anyone who's in the um in the audience, Pat, if I'm not mistaken, you run the um SB Nation um Patriots podcast, right? He's already gone. Um, I'm pretty sure he does run the SB Nation Patriots podcast. So make sure you go check out Pat. Hey, Lucas. How's it going? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah?
3: Good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Ready for ready to watch Celtics basketball, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as, like, the trades go, I think I would really look forward to the Celtics front office trading draft capital, like, future draft capital and some younger people, as opposed to, like, a player like Marcus, who makes, like, such an impact right now because – you know, as we've seen the past few drafts, like the rookies and stuff we've drafted really haven't made an impact. So I think if we can maximize our return, just giving up picks and maybe some young guys who aren't contributing. Personally, I think that's the uh, that's the route I would love Danny to go.
2: I mean, that's the ideal world, right? Where you're giving up just guys that are on the fringe of the rotation that still have a little bit of upside that um, is enticing to teams. And then future picks. The only downside is the Celtics are projected to be a good team for the very foreseeable future, which makes them picks a lot less, um, valuable because you know they're not even going to land in the lottery. They're going to be late first round picks. It's like Milwaukee trying to use draft capital to bring in a fourth guy. It's, um, it's great on paper. But once you get into those discussions and teams are like, well, realistically, we're going to get a borderline second round player with this pick, you start to lose value there. Um, so that's why I do think that it would end up being, doesn't have to be Marcus Smart. He's just one of the most tradable contracts. Christian Thompson's another guy that's a tradable contract. But I've got a feeling it would take one of those type of contracts um, for a team that finds that player highly valuable, along with that draft capital to make any deal work. And then you're probably still going to have to throw in a young piece, too.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, see how, like, the Patriots, I mean, the Celtics first round picks aren't that valuable. But what about, I mean, obviously, we've seen Time Lord, like, rise to the occasion, start playing really well. Um, do you think he's going to be a valuable trade chip? I know people might hate this idea, um, and honestly, I don't love it. But if he keeps playing as well as he has in, like, the short minutes, I think um, maybe he could be a valuable trade chip come the deadline. But like you said, you know, Smart and Thompson are the tradable uh, contracts. But do you think teams could maybe, uh, you know, the value for Rob Williams kind of going up?
2: Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I think his value was quite low. Um, multiple injuries, multiple lung stints in the treatment room. I think he's rebuilding that value quite quickly. Um, definitely in my opinion, he's in the top four most tradable guys on the, on the roster, probably top three. Uh, Marcus Smart obviously being your most tradable name. Um, then I'd probably have it as, um, Robert Williams. Then I'd probably have it as Christian Thompson just because of the, uh, the locker room presence in the championship experience that he has. Plus, that's also quite a manageable contract. So, yeah, I think um, Robert Williams is a very tradable name. Uh, In fact, I'd say Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith are probably ahead of Tristan Thompson due to upside. Um, But I definitely think that Robert Williams is a very, very tradable asset. And it's going to be very interesting to see how much the Celtics value him if his name starts being um, thrown around in trade discussions with other teams.
3: Yeah, so keeping that in mind, I remember during the, his draft, I remember that the Wizards were really interested in him, and I know Bradley Beal has said uh, like he doesn't want to trade or anything, and they don't want to trade him, understandably so. But uh, that is a situation where I think I'll be able to tr- like be able to stomach trading Marcus Smart as far as what's coming back, because someone mentioned earlier, you know, in the playoffs you need offense, and I think Bradley Beal is the level of offense that could get the Celtics over the top as opposed to a guy like john collins so like a first round pick robert will and marcus smart um i don't know if if washington's even answering the phone or like considering that but i feel like as far as like value is concerned that that is where i'd be able to like uh stomach losing some great guys for a player like me.
2: yeah that's not gonna get it done i think if if you, if you're going after the whale, like Brad Beale, then, um, it's going to include probably Jalen Brown too. They're not, the, the amount of offers that they're going to get and high level players and packages they're going to be offered, um, uh, a Marcus Smart as, a, a centerpiece of a trade deal for Bradley Beal just wouldn't, unfortunately, it just wouldn't be enough. Um, they wouldn't want to take on Kemba Walker. They've already got Russell Westbrook's contract there. Um, I, I'd love to see how they could figure out how to run Westbrook and Walker, but it just wouldn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. You're more likely Jalen Brown, Aaron Neesmith, Marcus Smart, and three firsts. That's the sort of level of package that you'd be looking at for Bradley Beal. And oh, yeah. I genuinely don't think he's going to get moved anywhere.
3: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm definitely underrouting. It'd have to be maybe three first-round picks. But you start talking about putting Jalen in there. And then it just doesn't seem like it. It's um... because
2: other teams will come in with packages like Ben Simmons centered package, or, you'll totally. have you know, or you'll have like um, a package centered around um, Brandon Ingram, and maybe they're maybe they're getting Brandon Ingram, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and a couple of the first that um, New Orleans have in their treasure chest. Maybe it's a yeah. uh, Shy gilgis Alexander and five, six future picks. You know, there's so many teams out there Jeez. with that can put a better package together that if you're taking both jays off the table um i think there's other teams that can blow any offer boston makes out of the water
3: yeah and like you said i don't even think he's going to get moved either but um so last thing i'll say is so like with what you just said if the celtics don't have i mean we know they don't have a ton of assets that are super valuable um do you think they should just like try and figure out what they can do uh, as far as like fringe moves for now and like try and organically grow the team. Because like I said, I don't know, like obviously John Collins is a good player, but I just don't think he's someone that gets you over the hump. And then what if someone offers him a big deal in restrictive free agency and now you're paying John Collins, I don't know what his market value is. I assume, you know, 18 to 22, maybe million, maybe I'm overshooting a bit. But I just think that really doesn't move the needle as much as you know maybe it could. Um, so I'm just curious, do you think they should stand pat at the deadline or, or grow organically? Because
2: I, I really don't know. I mean, John Collins turned down 90 million last year, so he he's expecting to be on 100 million plus. Right. Whew. So um, when you when I say that you need ownership's agreement to go deep, they've got to, they've got to be willing to go deep if that if John Collins is the name. Uh, now, usually when we're talking about fringe um, trades, usually I'm very big on never make a trade for the sake of making a trade because that's when teams can really take advantage of you and we know that's not what Danny Ainge does. However, you go to all this effort to acquire the TPE so you can save face and be like, look, we didn't lose Gordon Hayward for, zil- for zilch. We've got this $28.5, twenty-eight point five, 28 29000000 dollars coupon that we can split up on multiple players now. We now have something tangible back for losing Gordon Hayward. You cannot then not use that coupon. It has to be used between now and when it expires, and whether that means you split it up into two or three guys, or you take a swing for a guy like um whoever it may be, Vooch or Harrison Barnes or Larry Nance jr for whoever it may be, you take that swing if that's not if you want to hold that until the summer then you need to be prepared to pay a premium because now teams know that you need to use this before it expires. So you're now not bargaining from a position of strength. You're bargaining from a position of weakness. So if you, in my opinion, you make some form of trade, whether it be big or whether it be a fringe move using part of that TPE or one of the other two smaller TPEs you've got coming up to the deadline. One, to shore up this team. Two, to show the players that you're willing to make moves to put a contending team around them. And free to kind of keep a little bit of that strength when you go to the negotiation table in the summer.
3: And so it seems like Aaron Gordon might be the most realistic possibility. Um just lastly before I sign off here, what do you think is a uh what do you think is like a reasonable trade package for AG?
2: I think Aaron Gordon's one of the guys you can get if um you know, for me it'd be most likely Aaron Neesmith or Romeo Langford, possibly both. Um Grant Williams, I think, would be in that deal. Uh, I think you could probably try and swing one of the younger guys that aren't playing as well, and then it would be a couple of first-round picks or a first-round pick in a future second or two top 10, top 15 protected picks. I don't think it would be a huge swing, but I do think that the the Magic would want some young talent with high upside that they can continue to build around and place around Fox and Jonathan Isaac once they're both healthy
3: yeah and uh so i think aaron gordon is who, who i would prefer over john collins because i don't know is there really a uh a massive difference between those two talent wise like i would just say collins is better but i think for the value of what you'd have to give up i think aaron gordon's probably the uh, ideal choice but thanks again adam uh, love what you're doing here man
2: of course man thank you very much for joining and uh feel free to stick around and we'll speak soon
5: can you hear me now well i've got you now how you okay, doing with it? good um I, well, I was saying, um, I'm number one Kim Walker fan, president of the Kim Walker fan club. Um, I've been really happy with how he's looked like the last 10 games. I think he's shooting like 43% from the field, 41% from three, something like that. So those are back to where you would expect Kim Walker to be, um, I don't watch the film and break down each game the way you do. So I was just curious um, over the, his first 10 games compared to his last 10 games, does he look any different physically? Um, Cause to me, he doesn't, he looks like the same guy. He, he, he seems like he's getting to the basket a bit better over the last stretch. Um, but I wanted to know, what what you've seen um, well, compared to the early part of the season compared to the, his most recent stretch of games and what's been the difference?
2: Honestly, physically, I think he looks the same. We were all talking from when he returned that the burst was back. He was very shifty on his feet. He had a really good ability to change directions on a dime. Um, so physically, I think that he may have just built up a little bit more durability. Um, obviously, not playing for a while, you're going to be more sore after games than once you're back in the swing of things. I think this is all confidence, man. Um The shot wasn't falling early on. That's going to be frustrating, especially as a scorer. Um, When your whole mantra is to shoot through slumps, it's going to be really tough, um, especially to watch as well, right? Like, it was really frustrating watching Kemba go 2 for 18 or whatever crazy lines he went for. Right. But I think well, now that one, we're shut. Go ahead, sorry. Right.
5: I was going to say just one thing I've actually noticed that isn't hasn't been Kemba like has been his mid range shooting. Um, I feel like uh, you know during the playoffs and the bubble last year, his bread and butter was that high screen roll, uh, going down into the key, and taking that that jump shot with the center that drops and drops down. He hasn't really been hitting that at a uh, typical rate that he does this season. Um, so hopefully that would be something that he can even improve even more and that can be a another threat for the offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, that shot's quite tough for him anyway because he usually puts that sidestep in first to get to his uh, his spots around the elbows. Um, obviously, you need to be in real good rhythm, rhythm to get the fluidity of your shooting mechanics into position before exploding up. So that's a tough shot. I think that's going to be more reps than confidence because of the technical difficulty. It's much more difficult than just coming off a screen and pulling up. It, you've now got to add in the change of pace, to change the change of direction and land and like landing off that sidestep into a shooting motion ready to explode. So I think that's going to come with more time and more reps. I'm also not that concerned about it. I think that. A lot of the teams lately, they are playing a drop, but they're not dropping as deep as what they sometimes do during the playoffs. And you need a little bit of space to get that shut off when you're Kemba's height. If you're Tatum, then that's okay. You know, you're a big guy, broad shoulders. You can fight through contact a little bit more and you can create your own space a little bit better. Kemba needs to rely on his speed and um, ability to change directions, ability to change speeds, go from fifth gear to first gear and so forth. So I think when bigs start dropping a little bit more, the that whole mid range area is going to become a lot more money for him. And the best way to get the bigs to drop deeper is to continually get a body of work behind you in the season of finishing around the rim and force them to have to drop to protect it from the drive, then that mid range should um organically start to open up a little bit more for him.
5: Yeah, man. Uh for sure. I right. I hope I really it seems like this program they got on is working. Uh so far, I mean, it's it's still relatively early, so we'll see. And they've said that he still feels great, but you know, Celtics in telling the truth on injuries and <laughs> all that isn't isn't that their history that isn't that great. But uh, he looks great, so hopefully we'll we'll keep getting great production running. But thanks for bringing me up again.
2: Of course, man. Of course, thank you very much. Okay, does anyone else want to jump up? Send a request. Margot, I know you was up and then I was having technical issues. So Did you want to try again?
4: Oh, hey, Adam. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> how you doing?
4: I'm good. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good.
4: So, as someone who believes that the Celtics, as they're currently constructed, are contenders this season to like go to the finals, do you think that that would be naive or that the team needs to add a piece in order to get there
2: at the risk of upsetting everybody that's going to listen to this on the podcast and at the risk of upsetting people in the crowd personally I think that's a little bit naive Um, I just think they're a piece maybe two pieces away Um, they're definitely not there yet in my opinion I think that everybody underestimated the impact of losing Gordon Hayward and then the guys that have been brought in just haven't hit the level that we hope they would to kind of bridge that loss, right? So, Christian Thompson isn't the Tristan Thompson we hoped we'd get. I don't know what we were thinking um, with Jeff Teague. That was just insane. And then, the Celtics haven't been healthy. So, I may be incorrect here. Once we see them as a full unit, get a consistent amount of games under their belt, where they're all playing together and playing at a high level, maybe they are... Um, conference finalists maybe they do have that level in them but I just think the East has got so much stronger this year that without one more deal one more big swing or a couple of smaller acquisitions that this is going to be a team that struggles to get out of the second round as currently constructed
4: yeah I mean I think that's a fair point like I kind of agree most of my I guess naivety is that the word would be from, you know, just being really hopeful about Kemba getting more consistent as he like is playing more consistently. And then also Marcus Smart coming back and being the Marcus Smart that's defense has, you know, carried us.
2: Yeah, and that's completely fair. I mean Kemba Walker, a lot of the how this season goes rests on how healthy and how productive Kemba Walker can be. The more productive he is, the less weight that's on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's shoulders. So I completely agree there. You know, like, if you if you can spread the load, then everybody's going to stay relative, um, relatively fresher than what they would if you can't. Um, if you've got Marcus Smart to be the primary point of attack defender with Jalen Brown rotating over as your secondary point of attack defender, and then you've got Tristan thompson in, there's a good defensive core on this team that you should be able to build out around and build out towards the ball front. But there's so many moving parts here that... I do think that adding an extra name, an extra guy um that can do multiple things well is going to really ease this burden on everybody because at the moment there's a huge burden on Marcus Smart to be this defensive all-NBA level player. There's a huge burden on Kemba Walker to find a, v- a very specific baseline of production to be able to ease this weight off of the, the younger Jay's shoulders. If you can bring in somebody else to help lift a bit more of that weight, you're taking that pressure off the group as a collective. And then I think that you start seeing them play a little bit more freely and hopefully developing trust to move the ball to some of the guys on lower usage rates.
4: Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like Tatum and Brown have been playing like a lot of minutes every game. And you can kind of see like their stats not being as high as they have been when they have the help around them but um I guess my last question would be do you think um that I guess just in general do you personally think that Danny Ainge will make a move before the deadline this year and if so who would be your like top can top uh person that you'd want to add that's available I mean before this season ends
2: Yeah, I'm going to be boring here. I'm going to say, yeah, I do think he makes a move. I genuinely don't believe it's going to be a big swing. I think he'll make a move, but it won't be shattering or um, trajectory changing. I think it'll be something a bit smaller to shore up the rotations. If he does make a swing, uh, I've been on the Harrison Barnes hype train for as long as I can remember at this point. So I do think Harrison Barnes is probably the best bet if you want to get Somebody that fits the timeline, fits the schematics and fits exactly what you're looking for, where a multifaceted wing that can create their own offense, score within the flow of the offense and play decent level defense, as well as coming in with a championship mindset and knowing how to win at the highest level. Um, I think he just fits every, ticks every box that you need and he's attainable. Um, whether or not he's available is a different story.
4: Yeah, totally. I mean, honestly, you've gotten me totally on the Harrison Barnes hype train. But um thank you for having me up. I really appreciate it.
2: Of course, of course, whenever. Jump up whenever you want. Thank you very much. How's it going, Rob? Hey Adam, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well yourself.
6: Yeah, so as a non Celtics fan, it's interesting to see the situation unfold. And one question I wanted to ask is like the Celtics fans seem so keen on, you know, a star level player getting added to this young core of Jalen and Jason. But like do you think if they were to make like a three-team deal, getting guys like an Eric Gordon and a Larry Nance, that that would be enough for them to be true title contenders in the East?
2: I think you can go after Larry Nance straight up. Um, to be honest, I think that adding Larry Nance because of the size, he's having one of the best years of his career, if not like a career year. Um, he brings size. He brings a little bit of offensive versatility. He he's. Got a bit of defense towards him. He's got length, so he can help clock passing lanes. He can play as a weak side guy. He can rotate. um I think Larry Nance is actually a good low cost option or lower cost option to go after to shore up that wing position. And then if you've still got enough room in TPS left over, or you you want to make an, a secondary trade later to add another piece, then I think that works perfectly well. And I think Larry Nance is one of the names that's not being discussed enough.
6: And another thing I wanted to ask is like. If you were to grade Danny Ainge like last year or two as GM of the Celtics, what would, what grade would you give him?
2: I see. I'm I'm a little bit more like a, I try to look at things fairly. So I think that the biggest mistake Danny Ainge has made is thinking everything's hunky dory when it's not. So I don't blame him for guys leaving. I blame him for not trying to move them if he knows that their heart is elsewhere. Um, I do think he's done a good job of pivoting when guys have left. Um, look at Kyrie. He pivoted to Kemba Hayward. He didn't manage to pivot to a, to a player, but then he acquired this like record breaking TP. Um, I'd give him a B minus overall. I think there's moves he should have made that he didn't possibly a few trades that he should have done that he didn't. And then I think he's been too willing to let things play out, but I'd also don't think he's been very bad at all. So a B minus seems quite fair.
1: All right. Thank you, Adam.
2: Of course, man. Thank you very much, Rob. Who's next? What's going on, yeah, Shravan?
1: I haven't read the news, but I think Jackie McMullen and some other reporters are saying like Danny and Brad are on the hot seat. Like what do you make of these rumors and why are they coming out right now? I I don't think these rumors make sense.
2: Yeah, I mean the the owner of the Celtics went on Boston Radio recently and said that both of them are completely secure in their jobs. Um I think that if Danny Ainge fails to use this TPE um, by the time it expires, then I think he's definitely going to be under a lot more scrutiny than what he is now. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you you put the work in to get something like this um, exception and you need to use it, especially when the team's struggling to put an uncool, um, pro product on the floor. Um, I think that Brad Stevens, you can only coach what you've got, right? There's still questions around him, um, mainly he's... Um, rotations sometimes I think that his adjustments are a little bit late sometimes I think he gives guys too much rope instead of calling a timeout but overall I'm a huge Brad Stevens guy I don't think there's many better options for the Celtics than him currently available so why would he be under any pressure at the moment especially so soon after signing an extension I think that's a lot of conjecture to be quite honest I mean they might have sources that obviously I'm not privy to in fact I'm positive they'd have sources I'm not privy to but I do think that at the moment, both of those are very secure in their jobs and that allows them to operate from positions of strength. And maybe, in my opinion, r- reports like that sometimes get leaked by opposing GMs to start putting pressure on you to make a trade that sometimes you wouldn't have made.
1: So that's also a tactic?
2: <laughs> what was that, Sorry.
1: Is that also a tactic, like opposition TGMs just put it out so that like, media puts pressure on other GMs?
2: Yeah, I mean, it happens with players all the time. Um, You know, players, agents or opposing teams will leak these things or let things find their way to the media that, you know, a player wants out or a player is interested in playing here because it starts to create the narrative and it starts to create the pressure. That's definitely a tactic. Things only make the media when somebody wants them to make the media. Teams are very good at keeping things in-house. So anything that you hear or read has been very carefully selected to be released to public consumption.
1: Uh, okay, unless your GM is incompetent.
2: Unless your GM's is incompetent, like or he Magic wants was. to look, or he wants to look incompetent. Oh,
1: okay. So why does a GM want to look incompetent?
2: Because then <laughs> I have no idea. Sometimes it's better to play the lame duck, right? Play possum. Okay. Let guys think they're fleecing you when really you're getting the player you wanted all along. I don't know. I'm just saying that from my perspective, my personal opinion is we only get fed the information and the narratives that teams and agents and players want us to uh, get fed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like anytime I see a news, I think about like, okay, who is getting what out of this? So before I used to be naive and thought, okay, okay, this is news or these are actual rumors, but then I, started to look into it and then and like yeah this is crazy like everyone has an angle here
2: yeah there's always i mean it's a billion multi-billion dollar business there's always going to be somebody that has something to gain from leaking this information or from passing information onto somebody that they know is very got a very poor track record in keeping a secret you know so um there's definitely there's always somebody looking to create um an edge from releasing stuff to the media like that and it works for the most part it it does it it has the desired effect right mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. so and um, what are your expectations for the second half of the season where do you think Celtics will finish in the seeding
2: honestly i think where they are right now is about where they deserve to be fourth um i think there's a possibility there's a world where they could finish third i think there's a world where they could finish sixth uh, my ideal is they Stay consistent now, and they'll finish around about fourth in the standings because that's where I consider them to be.
1: Okay, yeah, thanks, Aaron.
2: Of course, man. Who's up next? I've got probably enough time for one more person. How you doing, Nikhil? What's up? Man? How are you, man? I'm doing well, thanks, man. I'm doing well. You? I can't complain. Can't complain, man, at all.
6: I like the uh, little SB Nation thing you got in the.
2: I did, that do you know what I didn't even know when that I, I didn't add that that turned up today that's new. Yeah, I think
6: I think um I think the guys just got them in for people who have credentials. Like I think that just got added in. Uh, but anyways, my question, man. Um, do you do any mock tracks, mock draft stuff?
2: Um, honestly, no. Simply because I don't really get as much college games in as what I'd like oh, to. Oh damn, um, yeah,
6: that's true. I forgot you're all the way overseas, man.
2: Yeah, um, uh, cl- closer to the draft, I tend to do much drafts, but I like to bring people in that know far more than what I do that are way smarter with draft scouting than okay. what I am. Because, because, um,
6: yeah, I'm, I'm not a big Celtics guy, but I am a Michigan State alum, as people know. Uh, one guy I thought that Celtics who should have drafted and they just missed on was Xavier Tillman. Um, like I just thought he was perfect for you guys as a center because he's super good defensively and he switches quite a bit. Um, and he just kind of made sense as a fit, especially because Brad Stevens is a college coach and he, and he kind of knows how to coach those dudes. Oh, man, so let me switch my question up now. What do you, what uh, do you guys think? What do you guys think you're like, what's your, like, what's your playoff ceiling? And then, and then what do you look forward to this summer in free agency to maybe put you guys over the hump?
2: So ceiling at the moment is anywhere between the second round exit. Um, depending on where you finish in seeding, it could be as early as the first round. We have to be realistic here. Um, ceiling is obviously a conference, uh, a finals. I think the more realistic ceiling is a conference finals. Uh, this team has proven very adept at adjusting during seven games and six game series, and Brad Stevens has proved himself to be a very good coach in that aspect. So I'd see them uh, ceiling of a conference finalist again. And then in the summer, it all depends on what moves get made now. So um, If they don't really make any moves towards the trade deadline, then I'd see them looking to create a sign-in trade with the TPE for a decently well-named player that would be available on the free agency market that a team wouldn't want to lose for free. For sure, for sure. How much of the
6: playoffs just depends on... On this version of Kemba Walker, and and not the the last the last version before before he got there, because I think he's turned it up a little bit, right? So how much of it depends on him staying like this guy and not the guy earlier?
2: Oh man, loads. I mean, um, I think that Kemba Walker is going to be one of the biggest X factors on this roster in the playoffs. Um, we saw what happened last year, where teams were very very cautious of the uh, effects that he can have when he gets hot which is why they were doing very specific defensive schemes. Namely, Toronto did it. um, We saw Miami go to that inverted zone to try and negate any threat of a Kemba Walker penetration. Um, So teams were making very big adjustments to their defensive schemes, less so Miami because they ran that inverted zone throughout the year, but they were making sure to limit Kemba Walker's exposure to the ball and exposure in offensive situations as much as possible. So having Kemba as a fully healthy version of himself where he can play off ball, find himself open, create some looks for himself, and then unball, have enough explosion in his legs to create space, finish off the drive, come up off screens and um, drain jumpers in guys' face. I think that's going to be imperative. If he's not at 95%, 90% of his best version of himself, then the Celtics won't get as far as what people are hoping. Uh, For sure, man.
6: All right, Adam, I appreciate you as always. Been reading your pieces. Love them.
2: Um, (laughs) I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Thank you very much.